0: Glasgow's Underground Railway is the third oldest in the world. It's a single loop of track running in both directions that takes you six miles around the city. In its 120 years it's never been expanded from that original circuit, although it's recently had a lovely makeover. Its local nickname is the Clockwork Orange for the iconic orange carriages. I use it fairly regularly, and on this particular day I was on the way into town to meet a friend it was another humid summer day and Hillhead Station was completely packed with crowds of damp, sweaty people. I was growing warmer and more frazzled by the minute, but I couldn't help but be comforted by the crowds. Francis's warning about the pigeons had gotten to me, and more than ever, I was avoiding being alone. It was harder than I thought. Just a moment of distraction could lead to an empty hallway or a quiet street. I had started getting clingier and my friends had noticed. They were not impressed. When the train arrived, I squeezed onto the busiest carriage. I was pushed all the way to the other side and ended up right against the opposite door, squished between two other people. I turned to the window, enjoying the cool air that blew through the cracks. I let my mind wander over what I knew so far. One thing that I had thought I'd known was that the ghosts were all centered on one location. But the pigeons clearly weren't, and neither were the ghosts I had met at the seance. But perhaps their territories were simply bigger? The train started and I looked out into the darkness, blinking against the occasional safety light that we sped past. My reflection stared back at me, and for a minute it felt like it was just me in the darkness. Then, all of a sudden, there was something else. The reflections in the glass obscured what I had seen, so I pressed my face against the window, staring hard into the dark. We passed another safety light, and I could just make out something long and winding at the edge of the glow something that looked like scales reflected the light for just a moment before we were back in the dark whatever it was it looked long a few seconds later we reached the next station and I had to shuffle into a new position to make space for other passengers I ended up in the middle of the carriage and it took another two stops for me to move back to a window I stared out again into the black three lights passed and I saw it again a long, waving tail, something speeding along next to the tunnel as fast as the train. The next stop was mine, so I put it out of my mind and went to meet my friend. I planned to enjoy my afternoon and keep the supernatural out of my life for just a little while. But I had a plan for my return. I waited until the last few trains that night to make my move. I figured the fewer passengers about, the better my chances would be. The day had moved from humid and warm to a downpour just as the sky had begun to darken, so when I reached the platform it was empty. It looked like for once everyone else was staying inside. I had about five minutes before the train was due. I looked down into the tunnel and took a deep breath. This was it, the moment where once again I was going to go from passing on onlooker to someone deliberately meddling with the unknown. I was dripping wet from the sudden rain, tired from the late hour and not at all confident in what I was doing. Still, I took a moment, then shouted out into the depths of the tunnel as loud as I dared. Hello? Subway Spirit? I saw you in the tunnel and I would like to speak to you. I walked as close as I could to the tunnel entrance and listened. All I could hear was the sound of distant trains and water dripping from my umbrella. I shivered and waited. There was a gust of warm air and I heard something stir from within the darkness. I stepped back, glancing at the exit stairs and wondering if I had made a huge mistake. Then, slow and majestic, something moved out of the tunnel and into the light. It was long and dark, scales sparkling in the light like dark gems. Its long spine was ridged with spikes and it ended in a long curling tail. It turned towards me and I got my first look at its face. It was a snake. Its eyes were long and narrow, orange, luminous lights. Its nose was flat against its pointed head. Its mouth was wide and empty of teeth. It looked long and hard at me, and I stared back. This was more than I could deal with. I dropped my umbrella and sank to the floor of the station platform. Looking at me, its expression changed from impassive to curious to concerned. It slithered over, stretching up from the rails to the platform, and nudged me. Its head was almost as large as I was, and I toppled over at its push. I put my hand out and struggled back up to my knees, my clothes squelching sadly as I did so. I pushed my hair out my eyes and looked back at it. It took one more look at me and burst out laughing. It rolled back onto the tracks, its whole body writhing as it howled with laughter. It was hard to be offended, and I found myself joining in, giggling as I pictured myself there, damp and on the ground. Finally, we both collected ourselves and it wound its way back up to me, its expression now much softer and almost friendly. I introduced myself and began to slowly explain my reason for calling it. It listened intently, saying nothing until I was done. Finally, I finished and waited for a response. It said nothing for a few minutes. I wondered what it saw in the damp figure before it. You have begun to walk down a dangerous path that is not meant for you, began the snake. There are forces here that you know nothing of. You are right to fear the flocks. They hunt ruthlessly and are driven by envy. The form they take is not their true form. I frowned, confused. It saw this and tried to explain. The pigeons are not real birds, which perhaps you might have already understood. They take that form because it allows them to slip into spaces without anyone, human or spirit, noticing. Ghosts and other creatures belong to the places that formed them, Each has a story, a memory, that allows them to remain in their forms, to relive their past lives. Most are content, some are vengeful, but the most fearful thing to happen to a ghost is to lose this territory before they have been able to find peace and move on. If they become displaced, the memories that let them keep their form and keep hope that one day they might pass on are gone forever, unless something or someone else reminds them. Spirits who lose their home become consumed with envy at other ghosts and can become parasites, stealing and destroying the territories that they long for. I breathed out, realising that I had been holding my breath whilst I had been listening. There was so much I didn't understand, so much that I couldn't possibly understand. I felt foolish trying to take charge of this situation. So I began, Did they attack me in the park or was I just in the way? ''You interest them?'' said the snake. ''Why?'' I asked. It smiled. ''A human!'' But then came the sound of the train, and the snake stopped. I began to beg it to continue, but the train was louder than either of us, and I watched in frustration as the snake bowed low and dropped all the way onto the track, moving its impossibly long body, until the head vanished into the dark of the tunnel. Then, all bright lights and noise, the train appeared, covering its body, and I was back in the land of the living. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. The theme music is by the wonderful Kevin MacLeod and can be found at the Free Music Archive. Sound effects are from freesound.org. To contact us, you can find us on Twitter or Tumblr at Stories. Thanks for listening. If you're taking the subway today, just remember, it's not the passengers you can see that are the issue. It's the ones you can't.